Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. What's happening, football fans? Welcome to a very special edition of the Gagenpot. I'm joined by Michael Bridges, as always, but also one of his former teammates, a very special guest, Dominic Matteo, who, of course, played for Liverpool, for Leeds United, Blackburn Rovers, Scottish international, but what an inspirational figure this man is on and off the park. You cannot miss his story. And, of course, we're going to talk about all the biggest storylines in world football, from Ronaldo breaking records to Chelsea's ownership dramas, all that and much more coming up on the Gagenpot. What's happening, football fans? Welcome to a very special edition of the Gagin Pod because we're actually playing today. We've dropped our two goalkeepers, so finally we can have a little bit of fun. No Mark Schwarzer, no Thomas Sorensen. I'm joined by Michael Bridges and a very, very special guest. Before I get to our special guest, Bridgie, good morning to you. We've got football on this morning. There's plenty of news. You must be extra excited today as we're joined by one of your teammates. Yes, super excited, Claude's a gig and pod, absolutely flying. What a weekend of football. Leeds United getting a win, a much-needed victory at Elland Road. The scenes were frightening, and there was a familiar face back at Elland Road. There was the big man in Mark Viduka and the colleague of mine as well, Eric Backer. So the pictures, obviously the cameras picked up Mark Viduka because two of them have got massive heads. Don't worry about that. They were not going to get missing. <laughs> they celebrated, and the man that made it all possible to get Mark Viduka out of Croatia over to England to tell his story... Um, is obviously one of my old colleagues, been through a hell of a lot in football. He's been through a hell of a lot since he's retired. He's fighting, he's battling, he's an absolute legend, and I'm so delighted to have Dominic and Matteo on the show with us, mate. And I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing. Can't wait to get some stories and have a reminiscence session. Yeah, no, thanks, guys. Really great to be on. Um, yeah, it's been a tough, tough couple of years, but you know what? I'm still here and I'm fighting. Don't you worry about that, guys. I'm on it, all over it. Absolutely, no doubt about that. I think so many Aussies remember and love to remember you playing for Liverpool, you playing for Leeds, for Blackburn. Of course, you played in the Premiership for so many years. And some of them might not know the fight that you've been doing since your career. You're such an inspirational figure on and off the park. We actually have a a bit of a series that's been running here on Optus called Sidelined. And it's an interesting insight into a lot of the people that we get here at Optus, like Bridgie and and many other ex-pros that talk about the highs, but but mainly the lows of professional football and the parts that that the fans might not see. And I think it's, it's... it's so fitting to have you on today and talk about your journey post-playing football and especially the news that you got in 2019. Do you want to share a little bit about that with our Aussie fans? Yeah, of course. Yeah, listen, um, obviously I'm, I'm still fighting the fight, as they say. Um, and like I say, thanks for having me on and being able to, to tell my story a little bit, which I think is always important to tell people and try and help others. That's always the main thing for me is to help people at the moment. Um, I'm in a privileged position and some people aren't. So for me to actually talk about things is great. And uh, yeah, it was, like you said, over two and a bit years ago, um, literally doing some TV work myself, working for all different networks around the world and always worked for Liverpool at that point as well. And then literally I just noticed that my eyesight had gone a little bit. It was just as, I just thought, you know what, I'll just get my eyes checked. 
It was as simple as that. Went for, went for an eye test. He said, your eyes are absolutely perfect. I was like, well, this is strange because they don't seem like they're perfect. They said they're like 2020 vision. Um, so I thought, okay, I'll relax a little bit. And, you know, nothing came back from the, the eye test. So I just got a health check um, last minute as well, by the way, because I was meant to fly to, I think it was Singapore, to play in the Liverpool Legends team against, I think it was Man United we were playing over in Singapore. Um, fortunately for me, um, and probably for the wife as well, we, you know, we decided to go a bit later and get make, make sure everything was okay before I left. Because um, being brutally honest, if I hadn't have, if I had got on that flight, I probably wouldn't have. That would have been it. That's 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 how you know that's what happens. That's how close you were, Dom. Yeah. Yeah, literally, we're talking within. We're talking hours here, really. You know, it wasn't even twenty-four hours. It was literally a major decision, more important yeah. health check. Um, and that's even, when they found a brain tumor, was it? Yeah. At this point, I was actually feeling all right. It was funny. I got into the hospital. And literally, I just started feeling unwell. So I suppose, in a way, it was quite lucky to, to if you're going to get unwell in any place, you may as well be unwell in the hospital. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, that's kind of what happened. And, you know, I thought, this is, uh, this is how downhill I was going. I actually thought I was in Calderdale Hospital. If anyone knows the different parts of the city, it's about 30 minutes away from Leeds. So I'm telling everyone I'm in, in Leeds. I was actually in Calderdale for my scan. So there was something obviously going on. And I always drive. For some reason, again, I got in my car. <laughs> and um, luckily I did, to be honest. And yeah, and then literally had my scan. And basically, after they were scanning for about, usually you're in for about 40 minutes. I get these scans regular on my, on my brain. Well, I do now on my brain every, you know, every three months. So this literally, straight away, as the scan started, they stopped it straight away. And I thought, oh, I've moved around or something. When you have a scan, if you move, they stop you and you start again. But it wasn't. They said, obviously, they didn't say what it was, but they said, we've seen something. Um, we have to look at it properly. Don't go anywhere. At this point, I was losing the plot really quickly and I was going downhill. Um, my wife was, I think the wife must have got um, some information from the hospital straight away. And she was hurtling to try and find me. Um, she was working as a dance teacher, as she does, that's her job, you know, and... Um, hey, our wives have got something in common then, Dom, they've got good feet, better feet than we ever had. Oh, yeah, you're not wrong, you're not <laughs> wrong, mate. But, yeah, that's that's kind of where it started, and I think it was a bit of a blur for a while after that, um, and literally, it happened so fast that I was getting blue-lighted to a different hospital, which was actually in Leeds, so... Um, it's a bit more familiar for me, but at this point, I was literally, I didn't know what day it was, and I was literally, I felt like I was fighting for my life from that moment. Um, it, that came that quick. Um, well, you, you were literally fighting for your life, Dom, if you've come that close. I didn't actually realise how close it was, mate, so um, I take that as a, you know, being in the right place at the right time, mate, and getting it sorted, and thankfully you did, because you're here to share your story. And, yeah. um, you know, all your career. I mean, I've got jerseys behind, as you, you'll probably remember, from the Champions League run, and I'll never forget the one um, against Lazio, wasn't it? When you, at the Sands, was it when you got the, the header? No, that was um, San Siro. You should know that. AC Milan. Milan. Sorry, that's the, Milan. the jersey that I'm pointing at. Yeah, AC Milan. What am I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> there it was. That was that was some night, mate. So there you go. He was a, he was a, he was a fighter on the field, and he's a fighter off the field. 
No, listen, that was an amazing night. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Football is the memories and nights and especially games like that. Listen, anyone who gets a chance to play in the Champions League, it's a great honour, isn't it, to play you know, in such a great stadium, such great atmospheres and the fans, obviously, in Leeds were going mental. It was crazy. I mean, we all, we all experienced it. You know, Bridgie um, obviously picked up a bad injury. I think it was at Besiktas, if my memory serves right, yeah. So, you know, unfortunately for Michael, because he was an integral part of the group, you know, we all we all knew we had different roles to play in, in, in the team. And Bridgie was, you know, a pivotal in his role as well. And it was just unlucky for him. And sometimes it, it, sometimes somebody else getting in just gives us somebody else an opportunity. Yeah. It worked, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, I think, listen, that was an amazing evening for me personally to get a goal. Didn't get many. Two Champions League goals was uh, was pretty good <laughs> for me, to be honest. Uh, you know, some of my mates always wired me up about goals, but I was like, well, I got a couple in the you know in the Champions League, which I'll do. Fine. <laughs> Well, it's, it's an incredible story. And yeah, we remember that Champions League run in Leeds. And of course, Aussies have a very strong affinity for that Leeds team because of Harry Kuehl, of Mark Viduka, of, of Burns, of Ocon, of so many players that played for Leeds. And you seem to have Aussies follow you wherever you went because then even when you went to Blackburn, you were surrounded by Australians as well. But you must be quite happy to see this resurgence of Leeds United in the last three, four years. Yeah, listen, it's obviously when I actually got, when I took ill, um, the, the club gave me a job pretty much straight away, which has really helped me to to get back going again, back, back on my feet a little bit. So, yeah, really happy to be back working. And obviously seeing him from the, more or less from the start, I was at most games, even throughout that period. And, um, yeah, it's been great to see because, listen, we all know what a great club it is, what a big club it is. And I think now, obviously, under Marcelo Bielsa, he's done an amazing job. I think he probably took, him, took us as far as we could be with Leeds at the moment, I think. Maybe they could have made the, the change a little bit sooner in my head. I was thinking maybe, you know, I think Marcelo was so good and he's probably taken us as far as we did take him. Um, and it's the longest he's ever stayed at a football club, which, you know, is, is incredible. And he's loved in Leeds. And obviously, um, Jesse's come in now and he's got to to take over the mantle. And luckily, you know, we got that great, great win. Obviously, um, yesterday, which is amazing. So we really needed that. And um, I think Jesse Marsh will be a good manager. He speaks really well. I was looking to bump into him a couple of times already. So he's around everyone. And I think I think when you have to go from being Marcelo Bielsa, <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was on a hide to nothing, wasn't it? It was really a tough job to take on. Let's be honest. You know, the guys are and he's loved everywhere. So... Don't Jesse, you know what I think, I think it'll be a bit of a relief. Not, not like you say, anybody that was coming, it was going to be a challenge. It, look, look what happened after Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United. Mate. Everybody was in a hiding to nothing. Yeah. Bielsa, because of the reputation yeah. he's got, and like you say, the downfall. But I think some of the players would have been uh, delighted, to be honest with you. And I, that sounds, I'm going to say it in a way of the, I saw Liam Cooper break down. I saw Calvin Phillips break down. We saw Bamford break down. I just noticed that a lot of the players that had been under him for three three years were just starting to break down due to the training regime. And they wouldn't have changed anything in the past because, you know, Cooper got a Scotland, became a Scotland regular. That was he would never have got that if Marcel Bielsa hadn't come to the football club. They give him a new life. But I just thought a lot of the lads that had been there on the for the hour were just breaking down due to the the workload. So I think it'll be a good fresh start for, for the for the players to um obviously hopefully take on that passing and um you know high percentage pressing game as well that they do I know Jesse's all for that but I just think he'll be monitoring their training loads a lot better for them 
Yeah, most definitely. I mean, listen, we, we know how intense it was. Um, murder ball, they used to call it, didn't they, the boys? Uh, I mean, didn't sound too good to me, that murder ball. I'd have been, uh, been out of the way somewhere. But no, listen, we, we and I think you're right. I think it's now fresh ideas that have come in. Um, he's got a good pedigree, uh, you know, and uh, like you said, I, I, I think sometimes it's good to get a fr- fresh ideas. And he's coming in, he's coming late, he's coming in at a tough time as well. But I think he... he Already, I think there is a bit of enthusiasm about it. Um, and obviously, he speaks a language which always helps all of us, to be honest. I mean, I know people struggle to even hear me speak with me mixed accents I have in my, you know, the way I talk at times. Well, we're going to have scat- to put um, subtitles on this podcast for me and you, mate, with these Aussies. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> they haven't got a clue what we're saying, Bridgie. We're all right here. Just say what we want. But yeah, no, listen, I, I just think, listen, it's. It, it was the right time. Maybe it could have happened sooner. We all kind of thought that was going to happen. Um, we couldn't get, keep getting pumped kind of four or five, six every week. You know, I think I was at, I was at most of them away games. I was at Anfield where we got absolutely, you know, took, took to the sword by, a, you know, a really good Liverpool team. It just showed how far away we were. And I think it's just now important that we summon, we, we need to stay up first and foremost. Yeah. And I think that result yesterday is, is, is put us in good stead to do that. Obviously, big games to come, but now I think we've got a chance. Yeah, spirits are high at the moment. It's not just winning a game. It's also the fashion that you won it as well was huge for Leeds because it lifts the whole stadium at home as well. So things feel good there. I hate to do this to you two, but we're going to talk a little bit about Manchester United because, look, it's been rare that they that they, that they win a game in that fashion. It was a huge win against Tottenham. It was a hat-trick for Cristiano Ronaldo who breaks an alleged FIFA record. It's goal number 708. There's a lot of discussion about whether this record is legit, who he actually passed. Did he pass Pele? Did he pass... Josef Bixan. Um, regardless, though, Ronaldo's incredible form. There was a statistic that came out saying that you know he's now scored more ga- more goals in that one game than Messi in his entire season in France this year. Do you find that Ronaldo's incredible performances later in his career, Bridgie, is tilting the goat debate more in his favour than it is to Lionel Messi? Yeah, I think without a shadow of a doubt, you know, um, Claude, like you know, fifty nine career hat tricks. He's got more goals than I got in my career. He's got more hat tricks than I got goals in my career, mate. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And I was gutted. Don't go and get us wrong. When when um, Messi left Barcelona, I could never see Messi in another shirt. And mm. you know, it, it it did happen. It was absolutely crazy. So. The fact that he's gone to PSG and the, he's just kind of been injured, he hasn't got any rhythm together, and it, I, I don't think he's enjoying life. I think he's still, I mean, you saw how emotional he was when he left Barcelona, whereas Ronaldo's gone back to a club that the fans loved him. He, you know, Man City were potentially getting him, he's been poached back, they didn't allow it to happen. And I just think he's absolutely incredible. And this debate, I'm a football purist, I've always been a mm. Messi fan. Because I love the way he drifts with the ball, he glides with the ball. Very reminiscent of Maradona. And of late, especially the last couple of seasons, the way I've seen Ronaldo go from country to win things, to another league and win things, he has absolutely gone above and beyond what Messi has done around the globe. And he went to France, he's gone to PSG, has he set the world like no? So, in the last year and a half, mate, I have totally changed my um, opinion. And Ronaldo, from me now on, from now on, is the main man and the goat of all time, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Wow. There you it's go. I never thought change. I'd say that, you know. 
You're quick to change, Bridgie. No, you forget. Got, you forget the last stats, twenty years. Stats don't lie. He's won things at club <laughs> yeah, and country. His, his record is phenomenal, and he seems to be getting better with age. I, I just think he's enjoying that. He's, he's relevant, relishing the challenge. I don't think Messi is. Wow, Dom, do you agree with this guy over here? I think it's a it's a brilliant debate, isn't it? Let's be honest. We're talking about <laughs> two, two of the best of all time. Um, Playing against Cristiano as a young lad when he was at Manchester United, and that was at Blackburn, um, you knew straight away there was something about that kid that he was going to be special. I didn't realise how special, and that's the truth, how good he was going to end up being as a player. Um, and I think what Bridgie says is absolutely spot on, but I think it's the way he's lived his life and conducted himself. That's why he's had this longevity. Not many players can keep that longevity from the start and he's still going now, and he's still hitting them num- numbers, as, as, as Bridget said. It's like, it's incredible, because he's relentless. And, you know, he just keeps himself in top, sh- top shape all the time. And it just, even now, we know he's lost that pace, but he still manages to get in them positions and still get chances and still create goals. And He's accepted his game, Dom. You know, when I, I respect the likes of Shearer and Sheringham and Paul Scholes and people that went on through yeah. different eras to be able to adapt. Shearer lost his pace, but he still scored goals. He got in the right areas. And I look at somebody like you played with, Michael Owen. He was pace in abundance, but as soon as Michael lost that pace, I don't think he had that ability yeah. to change his career path that the way some don't. And Ronaldo has been able to do that through... It, uh, uh, it's just incredible. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, I think the the one thing I always think about when I, when you compare the two, I, I'm very much like Michael. I'm not just agreeing because he, he's I'm looking at him here now. It's like I think because of the way he has adapted and the clubs he's played at, and he's he's not scared to make them moves. And I know he has moved himself to PSG, but it's not quite the same pressure, is it, playing for PSG? I, I don't think anyway. No disrespect to them. Um, yeah. The other clubs. He, played for there's more pressure more pressure in Italy the fans are bonkers in Italy um, and I just think as well he, he just the way he's conducted himself I think he's, they're, they're both role models let's be honest it's like my kids I mean, you know, my little boy and, and another kids as well they're the two kids that, they're the two people that all the kids talk about them two still they do don't they everyone still wants a message shirt from Ronaldo so, so fair play to them both I think it's difficult very hard to Dom will never forget back. Ronaldo's name because when he was playing against him for Blackburn, all he ever saw was the name and the number on the back of his shirt because he was always chasing him. <laughs> True. Have a look back. Have a look back and see what... You snapped it. Didn't score against him, didn't you? He didn't score. He, didn't score. He, moved, he moved straight to the other side of the pitch. Don't worry about I was old school. I, I was old school. Love it. I have no doubt. I have absolutely no doubt, Dom. And when, when, when Cristiano Ronaldo moved to the Premier League, there was this thought when he took Manchester, when he when he led Manchester United's front line, there was this chat that, you know, it's fantastic. He's got so many young strikers around him that can learn off him, Jaden Sancho. And a big name that was brought up was Marcus Rashford. And we saw yeah. Rashford burst onto the scene. But recently, I guess he's out of favour. Even when, when Ronaldo's unfit, when there's no striker available, we saw Ralph pick Bruno as a false nine before actually putting Marcus Rashford to lead the line. What have you made of, of Rashford? I mean, everyone absolutely adores him for what he's done off the pitch. He's an incredible individual. But what have you made of his development as a striker, Dom? Yeah, I think, listen, we all know what he's done off the pitch. I think it's incredible um, what he's done. I think now it's about getting back to your basics, you know, as, as, especially as a centre-forward. 
I'm not sure, you know, sometimes you see him through the middle, sometimes you see him wide. I think for him, he's old enough now to make his decision where he wants to. I know it's hard to say, I want to play up front when you've got people like Ronaldo around you and all this. He's always going to lead it. But I think for Rashford, he's been so good. We know he's got pace. We know he can score goals. Maybe doing what he's done, has it maybe affected him a little bit? Maybe his appetite, for me, like when you look at Cristiano Ronaldo, his appetite's never gone, is it? It's always there. Maybe Rashford's looked like he's lost his appetite a little bit. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but it's just how I see it when you watch the game. I just feel like that that them goals he was scoring, that pace he was playing at, the, the, the way he was adapting to the game, I think that's gone a little bit. And maybe because Ronaldo's come in, he doesn't feel like he's the main man. He was kind of the main man for a little while. And he's not maybe adapted to that. And I think, you know, he's still young. He's still got a great career ahead of him. But I think he should be just learning off what Ronaldo says to him. And I'm sure he is. But at some point, very soon, it has to click. Because at Man United, they, they, want, they, they need to start challenging. And at the moment, they're nowhere near it. You know, there's, there's three or four, at least four teams that are well ahead of them in the pecking order at the moment. And Man United won't mind me saying that, but it's, it's a fact. Well, it's uh, a fact. I think a lot of fans will agree with you, Dom. And the other thing you yeah. think about with um, with Rashford as well, we, I've seen it in my career, you'll have seen it in yours as well, Dom. Sometimes coach, new coaches come in and they just don't fancy. They see something in you that they don't like. And you go down the pecking order and there's other times that you've been out of favour with the previous manager. A new manager comes in and all of a sudden you're like the shining light and he's seen something in you. And I just think that he's, he's at a big crossroads in his career at this moment in time. Dom's saying there, sit and hang around and learn off Ronaldo because he's not going to be there. I, I agree with that. Uh, um, but also in the back of his mind, he's thinking, I'd be playing regular football somewhere else here. So there's, mm-hmm. he's, But he's a Man United boy. He's been there from the thing. And I think he's got to get refocused on what he does on the field rather than off the field. Because what he's done is amazing. Yeah. He's shown that. He can do that after football. He's got his foundation. He's got, the, he's got that set up. He's got many people that follow him outside of football. Um, but his main focus, what got him there, the opportunity, he's got to go back to what he learned as a kid, what he did at the academy, what he loves doing, is putting that ball in the back of the net. And the rest mm. will follow. Yeah, and we saw, I mean, we saw him break onto the scene as a teenager. It was incredible yeah. for all football fans, not just for United fans. Uh, but Bridget, it could be worse. It could be definitely worse. You could be an Everton fan at the moment. Oh. Uh, Everton are sitting all too close to the relegation zone. Frank Lampard hasn't been able to have the impact that he wanted. You and I worked together yesterday in the morning doing the highlight show, and we were chatting about it. It's it's quite quite dire times for Everton fans. What would this mean? They haven't been relegated since 1951. Now, they do have games in hands, but as we all know, it's never a given that you're going to win those, Bridget. What would it mean for Everton fans if this was the year that they went down? Hang on, you're saying games in hand. I think they've got two or three, is that correct? Yeah. Do you know the two or three games they have in hand? They have West Ham, <laughs> Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea. <laughs> exactly right. And I'm thinking, yeah, games in hand, please. That means absolutely nothing when you were down there. You, I can only see them getting points, I think I said to you yesterday, the draw with Newcastle United and something mm. with Leicester after the um, Chelsea game. They've got Leicester. I can see them getting one point out of that. Um, I mean, I wasn't even born. I was born in 78. I've, all I've known is Everton and obviously, you know, Don played for Liverpool. The FA Cup finals, Everton-Liverpool. This would be an absolute tragedy, but it doesn't mean that it can't happen because I've witnessed it with Sunderland nowhere near the capacity of Everton. I've been relegated, you know, three times with Sunderland. 
But we, you know, with Leeds United, from Champions League to relegation, you've 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 got to earn the right to be there. And the players look so lacklustre; they haven't gelled. The back four is in absolute turmoil, and Frank just hasn't come in. Lampard and inspired them one bit. I haven't seen them galvanise, and that that's a big big worry when you've got them teams to come up and play. So I say it, like I've said about Leeds United. And when you're down there, forget about the big boys. If you get results against the big teams, they're absolute bonus points. It's the teams mm. in and around you. Leeds beat Norwich. That's a massive tick. Everton have got to beat Newcastle. And it's got to start with this game because, yes, Newcastle are still in a relegation battle. There's no doubt about it as well. And Frank, if he doesn't get anything, if he loses at Newcastle, I, f- I really feel for them. They could they could be a championship club and then the floodgates open for teams like Newcastle to sign some of the players on on um, yeah. on the contracts. Because they've got plenty of good players. Dom, you played for Liverpool and, and I know how the fans are over there, right? And I know the Merseyside derby, I understand that. But would it almost also be a little bit of a tragedy to the Liverpool fans not to have that Merseyside derby or do you think they'd be celebrating if Everton <laughs> went down? Um, I think they'd be celebrating, to be honest. You don't <laughs> Listen, I, I, I'm with you guys in a way that obviously the derbies are obviously very special. Yeah. But let's be honest, Liverpool win the most with most weeks every time they play anyway, so it's no difference for them. You know, they, they see that three points every time they play against them. It's like a free hit, uh, isn't it? A free hit, yeah. But no, listen, I know, you know, obviously when I played for Liverpool, knew a lot of the Everton boys as well, but now the, the unrest, I've got a lot of mates who are Everton fans and they are absolutely... Oh, they, I swear down, I've never seen them as angry as this for a long, long time. And they've had some tough times. This is the one the moment where Frank's come in and has he got the, the job because of his name and what he's done at the moment? I got, you know, obviously at Derby he did okay. Didn't quite win, win you know, didn't win the, um, when they got, they lost in the final, didn't they, in the promotion, we didn't get promoted. So I think for me, you know, he's obviously been to... He's never tasted, he's hadn't got that experience in the relegation like an Allardyce or somebody like that. But he's got, you know, he's, gone to, he's got the job at Chelsea, then he goes to Everton, probably on good good wedge as well. But, you know, I like Frank, good lad, great player. But I think yeah. that was a difficult one to take, the Everton one. He probably couldn't, he probably couldn't turn it down, probably with massive wages. And it's probably, a, you know, you know, I think he thought he maybe could improve them. But if you look at their squad, I mean, come on. There's not a lot of quality in there. We, they, they, they spend a lot of money on the wages there at Everton. I know they've upped the wages. I know a few people are involved with Everton. And I'm telling you now, that squad they have got there is not good enough. And they're not putting a shift in. And I tell you now, the Evertonians will be fuming. They'll be getting absolutely slaughtered. I mean, when they have them phone-ins, I've had them at Liverpool myself. When you get after the results, them phone-ins are absolutely brutal. And the one at Everton, I'm telling you now... I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't turn it on because obviously it'd be, be a bit, bit of comedy. You know, there's a lot of uh, social media in Liverpool, but well, will be laughing. Well, Liverpool started this off at the start of the season, Don, when they planted Rafa Benitez in there. That was it, Agent Rafa. It was a master plan. Agent Rafa, he and you come, and he still lives <laughs> in. Incredible. He still lives in Liverpool, Rafa. You know what I mean? So it's brilliant. But listen, I honestly. Would I want him to get out of it? Yes, I would. Especially for the derbies. And um, I've got a lot of mates involved with that. So, yeah. But I think it's a really hard... To, I think they might just get out of it. I do. 
I'm in the same opinion as you, Dom. I do not know the Premier League or the, the top tier without Everton being in there. And I would be absolutely gutted if they went because I do see them as a huge club. They've got, you know, plans to, to spend. It's a huge club because they've been there for so long and they deserve to be there. Well, sorry, you don't, you never deserve to be in the Premier League. But yeah. I would hate to see them go down. I would rather... Because I was talking the other week, Dom, when I see Burnley playing, I shut the, if they were playing in my back garden, mate, I would close my blinds or shut my curtains. Whereas I, I don't mind watching Everton, so I want Burnley, likes of Burnley to be gone, mate. Well, this is what I was going to say. Was I was going to say, do you think that they will get lucky that Watford, Burnley and Norwich don't have enough to jump them? Not that Everton do enough to get out, but just that the teams below them don't win enough points, Bridgie? That, that's all they've got to rely on. That's what yeah. they've got to hope on, that everybody does them. But the Premier League is a strange situation. Sunderland yeah. were dead and buried. Um, I wasn't there at the time. They were in the relegation. They had to play Manchester United, Chelsea and another top six team in the last three games. And everybody was saying, oh, they won two of their matches and actually you know, got to give themselves a lifeline. So you just never know what is going to happen. And the big one for me, I think I'm hoping Leeds are well out of it. I think the last game of the season is Leeds Burnley. No, Brentford. So. Wow. Brentford, man, this could go. There's a, there's a few big hitters on the last game of the season. I'm just hoping Leeds are out, well out of that, and I want Everton to be out of that as well. So there you go, to all the Toffee fans out there. I'm supporting the Blues as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brentford finished with Leeds and Everton. That's that's a tough finish there, Dom. They're not really safe, are they? No, um, I think I think Brentford's have been a funny seat, but funny team. They started so well, and that sometimes that's what happens. You fall away. Then the momentum's come back again. Tony's obviously their match winner. We know what he's done, the performances he's put in. Without him, they probably they probably struggle to be honest because it's like the yeah. league this year. You haven't got your you haven't got your bamper, you haven't got your out and out striker. If he's not on the pitch, where do the goals come from? Where's that energy come from? So I think Brentford's been lucky to have Tony come in and do so well. So um, I think obviously they're fine, but I do. I, I mean. I do worry. I do worry a little bit that Watford, Watford are such a weird team that they can pick up points sometimes. Because they, they, yeah. they're, they're probably the worst team I've seen this year. I don't know. Watford have been absolutely awful to watch. But then all of a sudden they pick, they, they, they somehow get a result. I don't get it. But that's football. Yeah. Dom, another guy he talked about inspirational stories, mate, and, and absolute winners like yourself and what you've been through, Ericsson. The man that's returned to Brentford, I think he could play a major part in their survival as well. He got the assist last week, and I just thought the week before he was getting cuddles off Norwich players, and then he's getting assists. It was just what do you what have you made of that, mate? Oh, incredible journey! Um, you know, like you say, we we all witnessed that. You know, you're watching on TVs or you're there or whatever you're doing. Anyone who's been through that kind of scenario, it, you know, it's heartbreaking for it's, it's, I think it, for me, it hit, it hit home more for me. I mean, I was crying my eyes out watching it, me and the wife because. Hits home straight away. You know, such a great guy, great talent, lovely to see him, you know, come across a great person. The way he played his brand of football was brilliant. I think he's conducted himself. And the people who've looked after him, I don't know who's in charge of looking after him, but I tell you what, he's done an amazing job. And getting him back in to play football so quick after what's happened. Amazing character, great guy. And that's what we need more. I think in life, I've always said in football, I love characters. I love playing with characters. And the world's kind of lost. that We've lost, you know, like we've lost a generation of all them characters. Yeah who played football. I know the world's changed and stuff like that, but I tell you what, that Christian Eriksen, for me, I'll never forget that guy because he's brought, he's brought a lot of joy to a lot of people, the way he played. And then obviously going through that experience now, he'll be able to, he'll be able to tell people and help people as well. Like, just like I do, I, I speak to people on a daily basis about recovery and how, how you can help other people. And I think he's a shining example for any player to learn and listen to. And just the way he plays as well. Because he's a great player, isn't he? 
So we want to get him say get, get him back to where he was, whether he can get back to that level. Let's hope he can because I tell you what, he's a determined guy. And that showed by, you know, staying alive and doing what he did. Un- unbelievable. What- I cried twice, obviously, when he had the, the heart issue for Denmark in the National. And when he left Tottenham Hotspur, mate, I was well upset. That's my team. I cried my <laughs> eyes out when he left. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right, mate. Yeah, yeah. It has that effect on you, doesn't it? It really does. And I think anyone, doesn't matter who you support, you know, we, we, we all, you know, we, listen, we, all, we just want everyone to be all right, especially when you play a game of football. You don't expect that to happen. So I'm just glad you're doing so well. Yeah, and my, my prediction there, Bridgie, is as a Tottenham fan, you've cried a few more times in the last few years. But let's let's talk a little bit of Chelsea at the moment because, I mean, that's something we've got to speak about. Uh, the match on the weekend, Chelsea up against Newcastle. Some were calling that the richest team in world football against the poorest team in world football because Chelsea, of course, uh, frozen assets couldn't even really pay for the fuel on the team bus. That's the rumours coming out of the camp at the moment. There's a few players out of contract now in June. Can they re-sign them? There's a lot of uncertainty. And Tommy Tuchel's handled it quite well in the media saying if we can't fly to the Champions League game we're going to get a train if we don't have that we'll get a bus if not I'll drive a seven-seater so he sees the funny side in it but uh, Dom you're there on the ground I wanted to get your opinion in in what's been made of football owners it's been a big year for clubs like Newcastle and there was a lot said about that Newcastle fans seem quite happy but there was criticism from the rest of the Premier League and now the Roman Abramovich saga do you think this is a time when football wakes up a little bit and starts to question ownership and where dollars are coming from or is that just become part of the game now? Well, it's interesting because I've just had Jamie Callagher and uh, Gary Neville saying exactly the same thing, talking about this issue. Um, it has to be looked at, doesn't it? Let's be honest. Um, there's so much money knocking around, flying around football and stuff. But we, you know, we, it needs to be managed properly. It needs to be looked after properly, and we need to start try and start to do the right thing. Um, and and for me, it's not the money thing for me because if people have got money, that's that's their business, isn't it? But I just think it's the way. It's the way they look after it and the way they, it's structured. Are the players earning too much money as well? I'd never say they are because they deserve everything they get in football. Um, but I think that, I think at some point it is going to happen. That that is going to happen for everyone. There's going to be limits where people can, you know. I think we've seen with the the the, um, Financial the amount of uh, yeah, that's it. That's the that's the word, Bridgie. I was looking for that. Sorry, mate. Yeah, so. That that is going to be that is going to come in into a lot of clubs, and it could happen at Newcastle Bridge as well. It could happen at all these clubs. You've got plenty of money, you can buy all these players. It's something that's going to happen at some point soon. I think it's sooner rather than later. I really mean that. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of it, obviously, with my memory at the minute. But I know I know when Gary Neville and, and Carragher were talking earlier, I, I could just I could see in, in especially in, in, in the voices the way they were talking. They know something's going to happen at some point soon. Yeah. What it's going to be, but that's going to be massive at some point. And um, listen, it's all about football for me. I just want everyone to enjoy the football. But they're the, they're the, the bits and bobs that I don't really get. But it's, I think it is going to happen at some point I'm, soon. I never thought I would say this, um, Claude, but you're actually richer than Roman Abramovich at this moment in time, mate. Do you realise that? So, I mean, that's your <laughs> club. That is your football club yeah. you've supported from a boy. And what a what a difference a week makes in football now. The the crazy thing about it, we've me and Don both witnessed this at Leeds United. It's the transition that we went from flying to European games in private jets, um, having the best hotels. You know, everybody at the club um, behind the not the players but behind the room were given cars, these Mercedes cars. The money was getting spent life right and centre, we're riding the crest of a wave. Chelsea have been doing this off of Bramovich for absolutely years, and it's just incredible how what a difference a week makes in football. So, 
you know, we're, we're going from the luxuries of the high life and then all of a sudden the fish are getting taken out of the canteen and we're seeing all the kit women, the tea women, the gears, gear, gear stewards and things losing their jobs. You're like, what is going on? It's, it's absolutely frightening. I, I, what's happened at Chelsea uh, with Abramovich? Obviously, the government, it's, it's, out of, it's out of our hands. There's a lot of things that are going on that we're talking about, you know, a war that is going on and why they're, why they're doing certain things for the Russians with the money. I'm not going to get into that. What I will say is the people that I feel for is the people that are behind the scenes, that work in the club shops, that work in hospitality, that are losing their jobs for the sake of this man getting the, the you know, the, the thing taken out of them. That's the side of football that I di- or this decision I disagree with because I, that's people's livelihoods mm. and their living. And they, you know, they've, it, I, I don't see that as right. But Chelsea Football Club, the players, I think it's it could galvanise them because you were talking about some of the players chipping in for the fuel bills and, you know, helping out some of the younger players. That's the side of it where the culture comes into play, and that could see Chelsea through at the end of the season until they get this ownership sorted out. And there's loads of people who want to buy the club, whether it's billionaires or people that are fans of the club. Or I've heard that there might even be a 300 consortium getting together to do something, a, a, a big a big base of millionaires that support the club from around the world. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I think the club will be safe going forward, mate. But this short period of time, it's all the people on the outer that I really feel for. Yeah, big time. When, when you've got 100 years of history before Roman Abramovich arrived, you, yeah. you can't help but feel, you know, there's a, there's a people that have been embedded in that club for generations and generations. So let's see. Let's watch this space closely. As you said, it could galvanize the troops a little bit. They could get back together and the club needs to dig deep and, and play that, you know, get rid of the luxuries of Chelsea Football yeah. Club and just get back to playing football. It could work in their favor. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. another club which uh, look not quite to that extent but there's rumours that the the owner the director of sport the coach the best player could all be leaving at the end of the year and that's Paris Saint-Germain over in the French League uh, one loss they're 15 points clear in the league but that's not good enough for their fans Messi and Neymar were booed in their home match against Bordeaux at the weekend gentlemen I wanted to ask you guys have you ever been booed by your own fans or have you ever played with a player that was booed by your own home set of fans I'll have, to, I'll have to start that one because I don't think Dom ever got booed by the Leeds United fans because he wore, you know, he was he was just an absolute powerhouse. He, then he wore the captain's armband with pride. Um, I remember I didn't get, uh, I got booed at Elland Road from my previous supporters and it was the Sunland, oh, yeah. Sunland fans absolutely nailing me at Elland Road for leaving. But there was a game I actually, so you expect that, that's from the away fans, but from your own fans, mate, I got absolutely hammered um, against Aston Villa. We were playing at Villa. I think Benita Carboni scored a hat trick for Villa. If I do believe, if I, if I remember rightly, and I missed about three sitters in front of goal. And I actually heard the fans start going, "Get him off! He's absolutely shite. This is shocking." And I'm at that moment when you're wanting a little bit of support from your manager and your players. I turned around. And I actually saw my number go up, and um, it was the it was the old like substitute get off. And I had to do the walk of shame, and I was gutted. It took me two or three weeks to recover, man. But I, I had an absolute shocker. And the more I tried, the worse I got. So yeah, it was. I did. I did get a, a bit of stick from my fans, but nothing like Messi and Neymar being getting of late. 
No, it's interesting because talking about PSG, I played in the uh, the Cup Winners' Cup semi-final at PSG, and um, they were an unbelievable side back then, and they had a load of Brazilians playing some top top players. I didn't realise how good they were. I thought we were going to turn them over, you know, in the first leg. Got the absolutely 3-0 down after about 25 minutes, 30 minutes. I was like, oh my gosh, this is proper. Um, yeah, the, the Liverpool fans, when we got to, to Paris, were waiting for us. You know, we were on the bus coming back and they were waiting for us. And we got absolutely butchered. And rightly so, because they travelled a long way to come and see us play. And we got absolutely tortured by great, you so, know. So they flew back and actually waited at the airport for you to land to give it to us? Oh, yeah. But there you go. Oh, that's Paris, brilliant. Paris Saint-Germain as well then, were, you know, they were, they were a good side. And obviously we ended up losing 3-2 on aggregate. I mean, probably it's one of those, one of those semi-finals again that I've always thought, because like nowadays there's only two in the two European trophies, where back then there was three. So you always had a bit of a chance, especially at Liverpool at that point of your, of your career, because you had a chance in all three, because Liverpool at that point weren't in the Champions League, you know what I mean? They weren't, they weren't qualifying for that, but... Mm. That was another trophy as well, but they, honestly, we got absolutely butchered. They were honestly, it's one of the worst days of my life that like you're coming home and you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, there was loads of them." But fair play because I suppose if I was a fan, I might have done the same. Yeah, there you go. It's that respect between the players and the fans. At least you guys can understand when when it's when it's necessary. You can accept it when it's fair. Um, we had another one over the weekend in the Italian Serie A, Napoli doing a pretty good job of putting together a title race, trying to win their first title since Diego Maradona did it in the early 90s. Victor Osimen scored a double for them. He's been brilliant, and he celebrates by grabbing the camera off one of the media guys and taking photos of the crowd. Uh, look, these celebrations are, are going crazy now, but it got me thinking about you guys and, and if you either had your own trademark celebrations or if you played with any players that had such a trademark celebration, who was your favourite that you played with? I didn't have a trademark celebration, but I remember the the story I was telling about the McDonald's goal cards we had at Leeds United and scored against Mark Swarter, uh, had my card taken off us because I was getting fat, and I went off and celebrated with a McDonald's uh, eating a burger celebration, so I, I was quite spontaneous, and there was another one I did with Harry Kuehl, we'd been up all night, it was against Watford actually, um, I, we'd been up all night playing on the um, the computer games, we used to play WWF wrestling, and we also used to play this, look at Dom shaking his head, he knows exactly what I'm on about, and we would stay up till all hours, and we got we came down for breakfast, and we looked shocking, and only we thought we'd been out on the drink, and we're like, what you's been doing, we got bloodshot eyes, and you look terrible, oh, I've been playing the computer this game, you know, and, and he was shambles. So I scored a goal against Watford that day. It was a, a bender. I'll never forget. I ran off a Harry and we started pretending we were playing with the controllers of a computer game. Uh, so just stupid things like that, spontaneous. But I remember the guy that we both played with was Robbie Keane. That guy, the Irish international, Robbie Keane, the most skillful player and tricky player I've ever seen. And cheeky little Irish lad that he was. He had this little an arrogance about him, but in a funny way, in a, in a really good way. He backed himself. And he was a character on and off the field, but his celebration was brilliant. I loved how he used to do the roll and then the gunshot to the fans. So he, he he's definitely up there with one of the, the nicest guys on and off the field. What a player. And the celebration was brilliant as well. Computer game. Head. Yeah, you're computer shaking your head at the computer games. I mean, come on. I was playing three, three card bag with all the boys having a couple of beers while you're playing computer games. Get lost. <laughs> come on, mate. That is, that is a disgrace. <laughs> oh my, I can't believe it, mate. I, I am shocked. I'm shocked, mate. I'm shocked. Yes. You were just I, upset you didn't get an invite to come and play WWF to make like a four a four way tag team event. <laughs> don't get it, mate. I don't get it. Anyway, 
<laughs> Moving on swiftly from that, Bridgie. I'm telling you now, there's only one guy, Robbie Fowler, had a different celebration for every every single game. He, the, one, the one I like personally when he turned his top round, you know, put it on the other way round when he got his hat trick. I think it was against, was it against Newcastle, was it? I'm trying to think, no, that might have been actually. Anyway, but he, that was one of his celebrations. But Robbie, as you know, great player. And so many have celebrated. Him and Razor Ruddock, when Razor and Robbie were playing together, they used to, they used to make up some random um, celebrations. They were absolutely bonkers. But I think, again, we don't see enough of that nowadays. I know they've got, the, they've got the trademark finishes and stuff. But I like people who are a bit inventive, you know, and try something different and all that. But the Robbie Keane one, yeah, I think you're right. That celebration, uh, we all know what that one is. I mean, I'm sure the younger, the younger players won't know, but I know that one exactly. And I think uh, Keno was a great player. Good fun, like you said. Yeah, we've all tried that one in the backyard. Uh, no one yeah. really lands it quite as good as Robbie Keane. Well, Actually, the only person that doesn't like Robbie Fowler, I mean, he's called God for a reason, yeah? And I absolutely loved him when he came to Leeds. The only person that doesn't like him is my wife. Because when Robbie signed for Leeds United as an initiation, we took him out for a couple of sessions. And uh, Robbie was staying at my house, and my wife nicknamed him the fire starter from the Prodigy song. Because when we came back after a night out, Robbie was staying at my house. And I'll never forget, we, we, Johnny Woodgate had left his trainers at the front door. So we thought it would be funny to set them on light with some, um, oh, what was it, like absinthe and that. So we put, some, we put some alcohol on them and set them alight. And we were, I had wooden floors in my house. So it shows you how intoxicated we were. I forgot to open the front door and put them in the garden. So the next thing you know, the smoke alarm's going off. And what Robbie spotted was Johnny Woodgate's credit card and his, his watch was actually in the trainers. Oh. So Robbie went to try and save them as they were melting. And as he did that, it left like a vapor trail along my corridor. On me, on me wooden floor. So we opened the front door, the fire alarm's going off, the neighbours are out, and my, my wife now, but was my girlfriend back then, I'll never forget, came down. She was shouting and screaming. This is brilliant, this, like. So I really fancied her, and, she, and I knew she was the one, but I've got God, Robbie Fowler, in my house, who was, you know, I had posters of Robbie on my wall. So she comes down and she starts giving me abuse, and she's going, are you kidding? Are you, you've been out again? And in him... Him, he's a bad influence on you. Get him out the house. This is a disgrace. And Robbie turned... I looked at me, me, me girlfriend then. I looked at Robbie Fowler. And Robbie's words to me were, Bridgie, can she speak to God like that? And I just started <laughs> laughing, man. And I was like, yeah. So me and him started running around doing the old... Like we were cowboys and Indians around the fire pit in my house. Mate, it was hell on. So Robbie never came to my house ever again after that. And my missus nicknamed him the fire starter from that moment. She said he's he's a nightmare, but I loved him. What a guy. I don't know why she's still married you. Ah, she loved it. She's a party <laughs> animal as well, man. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I'm glad you're bringing up some of these names, guys, because I, had, uh, I, I planned a little something. We like to play sometimes on the show, Start, Bench, Sell, right? And it's, it's a bit what of fun. It? Bridgie. You remember when we played start bench sell? You copped heaps of oh, stick sorry, with the yes, Manchester yes. United players. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, look, I think I think it's you've already brought up so many of these names. And I thought having Dom on the show, I've got to ask him a few of these. And I'm going to ask you as well, Bridget. But I'm going to start with you, Dom. Come on, then. Some cracking players that you've played with. You've got to start one, bench one, and sell one in the time that you were playing with them. There's no hard feelings. There's a few Aussies in here. You don't have to pick the Aussies. Do not feel obliged. I know he's selling me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't even put you in there because that's a no-brainer. Come on, then. Who you got from? Yeah, so you've got to start one of these players, bench one of them, and sell one. I'm going to give you three options. So the first one, we're looking for a striker. You've got Robbie Fowler, Michael Owen, and Mark Viduka. You've got to, you've got to start one, sell one, and bench one. Wow. I've got Mark. Mark's just rung me about half an hour ago. 
I've just been out <laughs> a bit of a love up with him, you know, so it's like, that is a difficult question. Um, but I've grown up, me and Robbie grew up at the same time, we're both nine, ten year old, both of us, we started the same day, even though Growler, as I call him, had a wow. um, had an Everton shirt on, believe it or not. First time he came to the training ground at Melwood, he wore an Everton shirt. That, that's probably how good he thought he was and how cocky he was. It turns out he was that good. And he but he was uh, yeah, Robbie obviously, listen, when we grew up together as kids, anything he hit, no matter how he hit it, went in. He had this hit, this strike as well. It's a bit like Tiger Woods when he hit a golf ball, it's that noise. When Robbie hit a football, it had a very similar sound. Um, I'm obviously not into the golf, but I know what that's, you know, that whack when you hit a good golf ball feels like. And Robbie so had you're that. Starting, you're starting, <laughs> um, starting Robbie, yeah? So next question is... Right, so which one out of Viduka and Mike alone are you going to bench? Starting, Robbie, and yeah. who are you going to sell? I'm going to bench the big man. Yeah, and Mike alone's on his way. Yeah, Yeah, you could cash in. <laughs> Yeah, that was a tough one. But yeah, you'll get a few pounds for Michael Owen. Now we're going to talk about defenders. I love this because, Bridgie, you can go to this one as well. Because even if you didn't play with all of these, you have definitely gone against them. You've, you, you know what it's like to have to try and get past them. So I'm going to go with three players that Dom played with. Jamie Carragher, Rio Ferdinand, and Lucas Neal. Oh, wow. Well, I'm going to give you one straight up who I know I'm selling straight away. Lucas Neal. Because I, I, I ran rings <laughs> around him. Um yeah, the, the other two I didn't get a lot of joy out of. Um, obviously, I was playing against Rio Ferdinand for West Ham. I played with Rio Ferdinand for England and Leeds. Absolute colossal. And Jamie Carragher played against him. And, you know, what he did going f um, from a, a right back into the centre-half role, you never got anything off Jamie. He was a nightmare. He was like a pest. You just couldn't get rid of him. Mm. It's like an Aussie fly, you know, and you swap them away and then they just come back for more and then you... <laughs> It was just a nightmare, so it's a very <laughs> tough one. But I'm going to have to say, I think I would go because the versatility of Rio Ferdinand in the midfield, I, I'm a, I want to play out from the back. And I'm going to have to say Rio starting for me. And I'm going to put Carrot on the bench. There you go. And Lucas Neal, see, Lucas... see you later, man. You're done. Do... <laughs> we'll try and get a couple million for Lucas. Dom, is that a fair assumption from, from Bridgie? I've had some great nights out with Lucas, though. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh... You know, I feel a bit of loyalty to Lucas. And I tell you what, a very, very good player. You know, I know when he played, when he yeah. played for his country, he was outstanding for Australia. He really was. He was top, top player. Um, and I th was it, at one point, he was going to go to Liverpool. Did he go to Liverpool? He was very yeah. close to happening, I think, as well, at one point. But yeah, I, I probably agree with that one. Uh, Rio Rio was a, was a top player. And I loved playing alongside him. didn't play alongside him long enough. But when I played with him, just dead easy. My game was simple. I'd go and edit Rio and just play up. It, 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 it worked really well. Um, and I think with Jamie Carragher, the dog, as we used to call him, the dog was a, was a warrior. We all know that. He was, he, he kind of, you talk about a player, player who made the best of a career, yeah. it would be Jamie Carragher. Yeah. He had an unbelievable career. Um, but he still had ability. I'm not taking that away from him. But, you know, you think about the way he played. Listen, he was never fit, but didn't miss a game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with Bridge on them three. But yeah, Carragher was uh, literally a warrior. I mean, that that if you think about that Champions League final, he was playing with, with half a leg. He was literally just, he just kept going. He just kept going. That just shows you the spirit of the guy. Um, and like you say, 
he's a great player, but yeah, Rio was a He was ahead of his time, man. He was just phenomenal. And the partnership you struck up, so, you know, that, yeah, he's, he's got to start. And when I, when I talk Rio and we talk Jamie, you can't help but think, go back to Dom's point about the characters in football. They were serious characters, and, and, and the game does miss players like that sometimes. Last one. This one's ridiculous, but I'm going to do it to you anyway, Dom. Steve McManaman, Harry Kuehl, and John Barnes. Oh, you are kidding <laughs> me. That's easy. Easy. That is easy. You can't be... I mean, come on. John Barnes. And... <laughs> I can't... Yeah. That's you've been serious, guys. Come I know on, you're starting Barnsley, surely. Come on, Barnsley, Steve McManaman, all day yeah, long. Kuehl can jog on. Kuehl on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but, but no, you course. know, listen, all great, all great players, but McManaman, you yeah. know what he did, you know what he did as a player, and the way he played, one of the most underrated footballers, honestly. Well, since we were just talking, Dom, yesterday. Yeah. Me and Claude were talking about when he went to Real Madrid. Yeah. And I think he changed the view on English players or, or UK based players that went abroad and actually had an impact like he did. And the you know, he was there at Madrid for a long time. That takes a lot of doing. I that's how I recognise Matt Manaman. I love watching Matt Liverpool, but what he did at Real Madrid, so mate, you you know, you know him on and off the field. Just a, a phenomenon. Yeah, and I think as well, what you remember is he learned the language. His wife spoke it, spoke it as well, which I think makes a massive difference. I think Wood, Woody tried. He speaks a bit, doesn't he? Wood, Woody, Johnny Woody. Okay, but, <laughs> but yeah, obviously, Mac, I just think Mackie, with the way he carried the ball, it was proper, unreal to play with. It made, made life easy for people. Mm. And John Barnes, I mean, obviously, I was privileged to play with him. And that was it, towards the end of his career. I can't imagine how good he was. Yeah. Young, I mean, I was on the cop every week watching him. So, yeah. I mean, and we know Harry was a great player, great talent, scores unbelievable goals. But I just think them two, in my opinion, again, maybe just at a slight different level. I've got one last thing for Dom. Obviously, at the start of the show, we talked about what he'd been through. Dom, I just wanted a little short insight into what your rehabilitation has taken the process and what you've had to go through just to start to function and get the, you know, the, the, the brain um, working again along with the body, mate, because I think it's, it's incredible what I've been reading and seeing. So just give us a, yeah. just something for the, for the listeners to get a bit of inspiration from me or a lot of inspiration, sorry. Just have a look at the thing. It's called the head of the game. Started with my great mate, Dave Bolton, Scouts lad, very similar situation. Um, but for me personally now it's up every morning medication down my neck get the good food down me in the morning it's always like a green smoothie which isn't great to be honest that's my start of the day but it's always a walk get the green smoothie down, down my neck can't drive anymore lost my eyesight right side I can't read I can't write so there's a lot that goes with a brain tumour or brain cancer whatever you want to call it so that's every day that and that doesn't go away that so it's, it, it is tough and I know there's a lot of people out there in probably worse positions, same positions. And I think anyone who's out there, what I what I always say, manage what you can manage and do what you can do. Don't like I have days where I'm struggling, but I just open up to it and say, listen, say to me, I'm struggling today. But you know what? You find a way, and you, it's like a it's like a power reserve on your watch. If you've got a power reserve on your watch, you start at you start at hundred, and as the day if, it's, if you're going down and down and down, you know. Right, that's time to stop. I always say to people in similar positions, that's a good way of looking at it. But day to day, it's about keeping well, keeping fit without doing too much. I wish I could do more training, um, but probably got to do a bit more swimming, stuff like that. But 
I don't really like swimming. I like me running, but obviously the pounding's not good. So for me, it's just about keeping well. And, and I think diet's massive, I must admit. My oncologist is always on my case about diet. Diet will make and break it. Um, don't get me wrong, I enjoy a couple of beers, a couple of pints of Guinness every now and again. And that's you've still got to live your life. I always say to people in this position, live your life as well, but also remember what you need to do every day. First thing in the morning is the right thing. Get up early. And another little tip for you, Bridgie, because I know you're probably not good at this. This is a little tip for anyone out there. Make your bed. Get up and make your bed. Set your day up for the day. Then you go on and do your rest of your work. It's about a two-hour process for me every morning before I can get the little boys to school, get home, maybe come back, have a coffee, think about what I've got on for my work for that day. But it's, it's about putting the right stuff into your body. And then I always allow myself a little piece of chocolate and always dark chocolate, milk chocolate is no good for me. So it's like you have these little routines and you, you adapt them as you're feeling. I think for me, for anyone in similar positions, it's about adapting. And if you've not, like you say, have a look at my um, foundation ahead of the game. We're helping a lot of people with, with cancer and other illnesses and we, we're just trying to make a difference. That's what it's all That's I want to help. If I can help one person, I'll speak to one person. It makes a great, it makes a massive difference. I speak to people all the time. Life's about helping each other. And um, like you say, you guys have me on today. This is helping me in my recovery as well. So yeah, a big thank you for having me on, guys. All right, and top man, Dom. Absolutely brilliant words, mate. And um, you've definitely changed um, my my opinion. I'm going to go make me bed now because my wife. I've just heard her listen to what you said, and she's giving me grief and pointing her finger. So. Top, top man. And listen, I'll, I'll see you in July, hopefully, pal. I'm coming back over the UK, so let's get a date back together, mate. The women's Euros are on, so we're going to get together. And, um, yeah, we'll definitely share some stories, mate, and show us what you're going going through every day. No problem, guys. Listen, pleasure, and thanks again for having me on. Cheers. That's been an absolute pleasure. And everyone listening at home, we're going to drop the link in the description as well to check all that out and all the latest. I mean, do yourself a favor, whether you are a footballer, a football fan or not. It's an incredible journey from Dom. It's an amazing story. And Dom, before I let you go, I just want to hear from you because you mentioned earlier in the podcast that there was there was a matter of hours there at that point and, and, and things were touch and go. And that must be such a life-changing experience. And despite all this, and yeah, you know, your life your lifestyle does have to change a little bit, but do you have a, a new positivity and a different outlook? outlook on life when you have been so close to that atrocity yeah you, you live it's day by day i live my it's day by day every if i wake up it's a good day simple as that i, I it's like it sounds a bit dour that time but it's the truth you wake up and every day is different but for me you you have to sometimes get yourself out of that comfort zone it's not easy at times it really isn't um but i tell you what it it's just i've got three children I've got three children and my wife and my mum and dad. And I've obviously just found my, my birth mother recently as well. So it's like it, I've got so much to live for. I really have. And it, like I say, it's all about helping others. Oh, but I help other people. That helps me. It really does. Um, and like I say, I want to do more on that. I think at some point when I get better at doing stuff, I'd love to do a bit more motivational speaking because I think that's the way forward for me and my friend, Dave, to, to try and... Tell people there is a way, there is a passageway through, no matter what your illness is. You know, you've got terminal illness. You know what? Keep going, keep fighting. That's what you've got to do. I'm two years down the line now. I've got a scan coming up in, in 10 days, something like that. But you know what? I'm visualising myself already. And sometimes you've got to look at, look at yourself deep and go, right, I'll get through this and I'll move forward to the next one. And that's it. You know, it's, it's day by day. And that's the best thing I'd ever say to anyone. Day by day, live your life. Enjoy your life 
But but like you say, don't push too hard at the wrong times. If you push too hard at the wrong times, that's when the problems happen. So it's all about the positive. Listen, positivity is everything, and I love being positive. I probably wasn't that positive for a while. I'll be honest with you. Maybe this has changed my old out- outlook on life, and that's that's the God's honest truth. Wasn't for you, mate. Well said. Cheers, guys. An absolute honor. Dom, thanks so much for joining us. And everyone listening at home in the Gagan Pod, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow us on our Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on wherever you get all your latest football news. Optus Sport has got you covered. A huge thank you to Dom for joining us today. An absolutely inspirational story. Make sure you check out the link in the description for more info. And we'll see you next week on the Gagan Pod.